everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone, to uh, our show here, which we do weekly in South Florida. And uh, several ways you can get a hold of the show. Uh, obviously, you found the way that's best for you if you're listening right now. <laughs> but you can always pick us up on Hold'em, the Hold'em Radio Network. Uh, very happy to be working with those guys over there. Uh, and they carry the show on, uh, I think it's pretty much uh, set time weekly, Saturday nights, 8 p.m., which is a very nice time. That's a pretty nice time. And then they'll uh, play uh, replays of the show later in the week. They also have some uh, material from us that they play in the overnights areas, uh, some of the stuff from past shows. And we'll, of course, be getting some of that to them uh, in the future. Uh, many people pick up the show on iTunes. It is free. To download the show, you can also subscribe to the show, and uh, that way when you open uh, iTunes, it will download the latest edition of the program for you without you even asking, Uh, and you'll have it in your iTunes there anytime you want to listen to it. Of course, our website is PokerActionLine.com, which we're going to get to work on. Of course, we don't... uh, we haven't uh, done a lot of updating of stuff, but uh, we will be doing that in 2016, updating stories so you can get the, some of my opinions, maybe some of Joe's as well, and, of course, uh, some of the latest news around the world of poker. And then you can always pick us up on Stitcher Radio, uh, which is a very nice app, which carries a lot of different podcasts, and uh, we are featured on there as well. Uh, so let's get into the program tonight. And we got several things to talk about, uh, including the latest news coming out about the Hylia Park scandal. We'll get into that later in the show. Uh, also, a lot of big tournaments here as we've turned the corner into 2016. We have uh, the PCA going on in the Bahamas, uh, Paradise Island at the Atlantis, and the main event down to 10 players now. So I'll give you that those results in just a minute, what's going on over there. Uh, they had a couple of big high roller events, which were completed earlier in the week, and Really interesting uh, scenario there, Joe. Uh, I don't know how much you know about the PCA, but kind of started out as an online, combination online, live event. Uh, there's 104 tournaments in, in like 15 days or something like that. 104, wow. Yeah. I so, had no idea it was that many. Yeah, I, so I guess you got to pick and choose. Some of them are online and some of them are live. But uh, a lot of action, a lot of big-name players there. Of course, uh, it overlaps a little bit with the... Uh, Tournament in Australia, the Aussie Aussie Millions in Melbourne, and that got underway uh, earlier today. Of course, they're way ahead of us uh, time-wise, so uh, they all already completed the first day. Yeah, it's morning over there now. Yeah, they're headed for day two uh, of the uh, very opening event. We'll run down some of that schedule for you as well. Uh, Keep an eye on what's going on in uh, Australia. So those are the two big ones there. Now, there's a big tournament here as well. They finished up the first tournament uh, well, actually, they're playing today. I think they're still going off to check on that uh, in just a minute. But I went over and uh, to the Seminole Hard Rock for the Lucky Hearts Open, which got underway. And uh, the first tournament uh, was a 350 with eight different opening sessions or ten Ooh. different opening sessions, something like that. Uh, they needed, I think, uh, something like 2,300 or some players to uh, make the guarantee. They got over 4,000. Wow. Oh no! It was one no sixteen hundred and sixty-seven was all they needed. So if they got two thousand, they cleared 
By, and they got 4,000? 4,000 players. Oh, wow. I mean, absolutely incredible. So the interest is here, and I got the chance to run into a guy that uh, uh, definitely wanted to interview, and that was uh, Neil Blumenfield, the third-place finisher in this year's WSOP. Uh, I found out in talking to him that he now lives here in South Florida. He was from the Bay Area out in uh, San Francisco, uh, software uh, executive for a couple of different companies over the years. And I guess now he's just going to sit back and retire. Of course, he made $3.4 million yeah. in the... And his, and his tax liabilities are a little less here in the state of Florida. <laughs> exactly. But uh, certainly doing a lot of traveling. He said he went over to Prague and played in the EPT over there and went to Paris. And he's going to do a lot of traveling and playing some... Uh, bigger tournaments uh, now. And for those of you who don't remember, Neil, he's the one where they had Fear the Fedora. <laughs> Fear the Fedora, exactly. A uh, 61-year-old gentleman, uh, I talked to him a little bit about that, and uh, him and Pierre Newville, the two uh, elder statesmen that were in this year. And guess uh, what? How many? Remember nine? For the last, what, five or six years, we kept hearing how we would never see anybody in that age group ever make the final table yeah, again exactly. in the main event with these large fields. That People were talking about the old people being in their late 30s and maybe even early 40s, I think, was the oldest right, before them. Right, right. But uh, anyway, he lives here in South Florida now. He's going to play a lot of the events at the Hard Rock and, of course, do some traveling from here and basically enjoy his life as well he should. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that just seemed like someone really fun to play with. He really came off well, which is what I brought up to him in our interview, which you'll hear a little bit later in the show. And I remember him having no fear playing either. Exactly. You know, he was he was the aggressive player on that final table. As a matter of fact, you even asked me once we got down to the three that I believe that night they were playing it. I thought he was going to be the one who could give uh, the the eventual winner you know, a little bit of, of a challenge only because he would not be afraid to, to mix it up and put all his chips in the center of the table. Right, exactly. So uh, we'll play that interview for you tonight in the show. We'll talk a little bit about Hylia and what a few other things that are going on. I was glad to find out this week that our good friend Nick Sordle, who's been on the show with us many times, uh, left the Sun Sentinel uh, a couple of months ago. And Basically, the Sun Sentinel, who had a great uh, article every week in the Friday section called Showtime, uh, Nick had a column, and he also they also carried a uh, a great uh, syndicated poker column uh, highlighting a poker hand, which we've used on the show also. And I guess uh, they are still going to have another fellow write the uh, feature column. I'm not sure if they're going to carry the hands or not, but uh, that is still to be seen. But I found out this week that Nick. Uh, is now employed uh, by the Miami Herald. Thank God. That's nice to hear. Has a uh, website, which we'll be uh, talking about maybe with him uh, over the next few weeks, uh, South Florida Gambling. And also uh, he is going to have a similar column to the one he wrote for the Sun Sentinel in the Friday weekend section of the Miami Herald. Of which he did a tremendous job yeah. for so many years. Great stuff. And uh, Nick put out an article about Hylia this week, which we'll get to in just a second. Uh, the state finally came out with their ruling. There's still uh, words to be heard about this thing as the Hylia Park executives can uh, go ahead and appeal the ruling, and they have until January 18th to do that. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, at least something is uh, coming out of that now. Uh, people have been wondering for a long time, and we're going to talk yeah. uh, pretty extensively about 
the uh, the exact complaint filed by the state of Florida. I, I believe they've actually taken a lot less time to deal. Granted, it wasn't the same scandal as the Borgata in New Jersey with the uh, fake chips, tournament chips that were right. put into play. It took forever. But that took for way too long for them to come up with a decision, and I still don't think that was the right call that they made there. But, uh, you know, the state of Florida has... What's it about five six months uh, since since the tournament was in August I believe yeah, it was and the they end came of August. out with this and the end of August beginning of September as you said later on in the show I'll address some of the issues and some of the non issues that they did not that they did not mention in their findings mm-hmm. well we'll see what uh, we'll see what your thoughts are and I, I certainly look forward to that uh, also I have some news that came out today about the Global Poker League which. You know, some people are just scoffing at. I mean, it's easy to say uh, poker is not a team sport, and uh, we've seen some pretty good competitions internationally with the people representing our country. Uh, this is, I don't know if this is the way to go, but certainly I give Alex uh, Dreyfus of the uh, Global Poker Index credit for trying something new. He's talked for the last couple of years about sportifying the game of poker. Uh, trying some of the things that work in other sports and 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 having some competitions, so they're moving forward with this. It's uh, there's 12 teams in the uh, Global Poker League. We'll give you all the team names. Uh, I'm uh, kind of like a logo nut, you know. <laughs> you know all the shirts I wear yes, from uh, do. different uh, major league sports: baseball, football, basketball, a little bit of hockey here and there. And I I love logos and. Uh, they came out with all the different logos for the teams, which are pretty interesting, and the nicknames. And they named their captains uh, of each team, so we'll run those down for you. Kind of try to have some fun with that, because I think, it's a, I think it's a pretty good idea. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a savior of poker or uh, is going to create a lot more interest. We'll see what happens. But it adds a, an intriguing little twist to it, that it becomes an, a national type of thing, because a lot of these teams exactly. are from Europe, from different countries around the world, and... I think it would add a very interesting little twist. Listen, some of the things that we do in the World Series of Poker, you know, here in the United States is always how many Americans have won bracelets, how many, you know, Canadians, how many Europeans, and, you know, we follow that. Yeah. So why not have a team competition? We know in poker is an individual sport, but it'd be nice to see if there's a couple of tournaments, uh, you know, scheduled throughout the year that involve, you know, a team team spirit, team type of sport, and I think exactly. that would add a little bit of intrigue and interest to the game. Exactly. Looking forward to it. It's going to start later in February and uh, in kind of that period where, you know, there's lots of stuff, not, not that there's not other things going on, but you know, it's not going to conflict with the World Series of Poker, I don't believe. I, I don't know the whole schedule. They're kind of putting out information in drips and drabs, but uh, looking forward to that. Uh, also, one other thing we'll talk about, and that is the uh, reopening of Dania Highline, which is now called the Casino at Dania Beach, is the name of the facility, which doesn't mention Highline, but of course, uh, we have been involved in Highline for well, many, Casino many years. Miami doesn't mention Miami no, uh, Highline at that's all. That's true, and you never know how long the sport's hanging in there, but uh, they seem to have a good commitment to the sport of Highline. The action started this afternoon uh, with a 4 o'clock performance. Uh, eight games, and uh, the poker room is not open yet, but it is done, and it's set to open tomorrow. So All right, very good. I uh, got, got a peek at it when I went over there. Right, it's look. up on the second floor. It's absolutely beautiful. Tables and chairs are uh, nice. Tables or chairs are beautiful, uh, and there's lots of room. The original plan was to put 30 tables in. Uh, they decided to go with 21. So uh, still a good-sized room, 
but uh, a lot of spaciousness there in that room. Well, it's going to be beautiful. I, I, uh, an ex-employee of mine who I trained to become a dealer and everything else, I believe, is running that room. Yeah, Elio, Elio Molina. Molina. So hopefully, who has, been, who has been working at Magic City under Ileana Zamora, a good friend of yours, also. Yeah, well, and uh, listen, it's he has his work cut out for him there because unfortunately their room thrived when we were in the capped area of you know twenty five fifty cent bets and fifty a dollar and. The money was being made by the, yeah. They had the lots of single table tournaments. Lots yeah, of they 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 were actually the front runners in those tournaments in those sit and go tournaments. They were you know they they came up with a very unique plan. I wish I could remember who was running the room at that time. I can't remember it right now, but they did do very well back then. But ever since you know they they did incur the wrath of the state because the state kept saying they were doing these things illegally. I don't know if they had any consequences later on uh, because of this. Yeah, they As took away their tournaments for how long? Three months or something? Something like that. I know they, they, you know, they said they weren't you know, breaking the law. The state <laughs> agreed to disagree with them. And I don't know what, what kind of penalties were incurred or you know, you know, what happened to them. But unfortunately, once poker kind of started opening up to that $50, $100 buy-in, they were never able to get a foothold again in the in this market down here in right. South Florida, yeah. and unfortunately, you know their room. You just saw the numbers being published were just constantly going down and down and down. And to voice an opinion about them, they are literally in the center of the lion's den, where they're located, where they have the Hard Rock, right. you know, five six miles away to them uh, out west. You have Marty, uh, you have, not Mardi Gras, I'm sorry, uh, you have Mardi Gras and Gulfstream a couple of miles south, south of, of them. them. You got Pompano five or six, seven, eight miles north of them. You know, they were in a very bad position, and I don't know if they started behind the eight ball, as the saying goes, because of what they did with the tournaments. But, you know, their room has never been able, even though it's a beautiful, you know as I do, they really had a beautiful room in there, spacious. Yeah. Second floor, it was absolutely gorgeous. Big high ceiling, and uh, 30, 40 you foot and ceiling. I played in that in the uh, was it the Dan Lebertard tournament there once. You know, that was they could a handle month. a lot of people there, and just that room has never been able, for whatever reason it is, they have just never been able to get over the hump. Uh, you know, once the stakes started to open up in the state of Florida. You know, a thing that hurt them really is uh, as they made plans to change, of course, they opened a casino there and uh, moved the poker room. They actually built a new poker room that was smaller. Uh, they weren't getting much play in there, maybe one or two tables. Uh, so they they put together a very nice little room, about eight tables, and uh, still did not do very well with that. Uh, but a couple of times because of this... Uh, uh, rebuilding of the casino, they've had to shut down poker for, well, this last shutdown was over a year. Right. Or around a year. Uh, close to a year, right. And before that, it was uh, it was quite a bit of time. And when you lose that consistency of your people coming there every day, it really hurts you in the long run, doesn't it? It, it really does. But to be honest with you, Dave, they were already suffering well before the close down because of all, you know, their... They, remember, they had a uh, poker room manager in there who tried something very unique about making the rake three dollars, you know, as opposed to five, trying to bring in the players. But you know, as as our good friend Randy Casper has always said, poker is about a game about liquidity, 
And if there isn't enough players there, it doesn't matter that you're saving $3 if you have no no way of making any money on the tables. Right. And, you know, I don't know if it's because of their location, uh, you know, because of management decisions that were made. I mean, I had to worry about my running my own room at that time, you know, but... Um, They've, you know, ever since they lost that tournament edge that they had, they, you know, they, they, it's just been on a steady, steady, steady decline until they actually hit rock bottom. I don't know about you, but I think you and I have discussed this. I had walked in there a couple of times. They had one table with four or five yeah, players. Kind of like playing. what Miami is right now. Exactly what my <laughs> old room is like right now. They, which is, they, which they, be kind they of forgot about what you had to do for the players, you know. And I don't know if that's what Daniel's scenario was but you know when when you when when you've given your customers your your players certain things and you just snatch them away without replacing it with something else of value you're going to lose your poker room there's too many great poker rooms here in south florida for any of these places to to continue to to succeed to continue to even operate mm-hmm. as we saw with dania closing down we know that calder closed not because of the same scenario, but their numbers had been way down also, and it was it made it a lot easier decision for management to close that poker room instead of making the the other decision of whether should we take the financial uh, obligation on of trying to run more dates to keep our poker room open. If that room was probably producing nine ten million dollars a year, eight million dollars a year in revenue, they probably would have decided to do that. Right. Because, you know, you, you, you earn money on the bat, not only from the poker, but because of those players playing horses, playing the slot machines. You know, you're, you're earning money somewhere else. Right. But when that room keeps going down and down and down, there's no, you know, it's, it becomes an easy decision for management to make to close down the room. Right. Well, uh, certainly a lot of stuff happening all over the town and, uh you know, the uh, Seminole Hard Rock, again, with a huge tournament that gets underway this weekend. We'll run down the information on that one as well. Uh, certainly looking forward to the main event, which is an $1,100 buy-in and tied in with WPT Deep Stacks. So that gets underway uh, this weekend, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on some of that as well. I do want to uh, report on some of the results that are things that are going on right now. Out in uh, in Melbourne in Australia, they did get the first event underway, as I mentioned earlier today, and uh, just a few hours from starting date two there, which is actually 1B of a $5,300. Buy-in? No, I take that back. That's not correct. It's $1,150 event. Uh, It's at the Crown Poker Room in Melbourne, Australia, uh, the first event of the Aussie Millions. That got underway today. The early chip leader, Brent DeJong of uh, Australia. I looked down the list, and the top nine players are Australian uh, out of the top 20, I would say about 15 are Australians. So we are going to have a nice turnout there, but maybe not until later in the event when we get closer to the main. Yeah, event. you might have a lot of the people that are at the PCA ready to take a jump on a plane over there as soon as this tournament is over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, PCA, though, over in the Bahamas, which is a little bit closer to home. Uh, the main event there, I mentioned, down to 10 players. And the chip leader is Vladimir Tryanovsky. Uh, Mike Watson close behind, 5.8 million for Tryanovsky, and Watson has 5.2 million. Uh, Tony Gregg is at that final table, 2.5 million. Toby Lewis, 2.1. Uh, 
on the way down, and uh, local player Matt Waxman uh, from Parkland here in South Florida is the short stack at $1.1 million. And probably the best-known name at that table. I would I say imagine. I would agree with that, except for maybe Tony Gregg, who is also pretty well-known. Mike Watson is also uh, headed for uh, a very big year from uh, a lot of predictions from some Good of the experts. Earlier they had the uh, the super high roller, which was a $100,000 buy-in. It was won by Bryn Kenny, who we uh, interviewed on the show this summer. I uh, had a chance to talk to him out in Vegas. Uh, but the interesting thing is, uh, is head-to-head, he went up against Joe McKeon. Oh, wow, from the main event. From the main event, the uh, main event champion for the uh, WSOP in November 9. Uh, but uh, Kenny beat him. Uh, they, when they went head-to-head, uh, it was seven, just under 8 million chips for uh, Bryn Kenny, and McKeon had 6.5. But interesting thing was uh, Kenny got down to only 10 big blinds as... Uh, Mc- wow, McKean McKean made took a, a great big run lead. on him. Yeah, but he went up and on a spree of double-ups uh, and basically in a matter of just a, a few hands took down the tournament and they turned things around really quickly. Wow, so he won one after the other, after the other, after the other. Exactly. Uh, so uh, McKeon ends up winning, uh, well, what was the final payouts here if I have those? Uh, he now has more than $10 million in career earnings with the big payout, of course, uh, earlier. Uh, final payout... Uh, for Kenny was 1.6 million, 1.687 million, and uh, Joe McKeon uh, won apparently 1.2 million. Very nice in that area. Con- continued good luck after just three, four, three months after winning the main event. Right, exactly. So uh, again, we'll keep an eye on this uh, uh, this uh, final table if we can report some of that from the Bahamas. They're just getting back from the dinner break now uh, with a final ten. Uh, they have been playing for a while with 10. I saw it earlier, and there were 10 players left uh, maybe about two hours ago. So no one's been eliminated for quite some time. Okay. But they'll be back in action. If we can report anything <laughs> well, later in the show, we'll do that as well. Yep. Uh, they had 918 entries, by the way, $5,300 buy-in uh, in this main event. And I guess uh, a lot of people will be coming back directly from that to play in this uh, Lucky Hearts uh, final table if they have yeah, a chance for see. main event. They're either going to come here or to the Aussie Millions, one of the two. Yep, exactly. So all these things uh, happening quickly here. In early January, things never seem to slow up. That's it. That's it. Poker World never stops, it seems like now. We're, there's no rest period right now. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, we'll talk about uh, Hylia when we come back. I also want to play that uh, interview with uh, Neil Blumenfield. We'll probably start with that, and then we'll get into the Hylia discussion uh, also later on. Global Poker League, we'll talk that, just uh, kind of an interesting thing. But I do want to mention uh, our friends at Gulfstream Park uh, as they head toward the Sunshine Millions, uh, a big series of races against the California horses this weekend, something to look forward to. Uh, it's really a great event uh, every year, and uh, they have a giveaway going on this year. It is a uh, uh, world championship racing cooler that they're giving away, kind of like the ones where you put uh, uh, some sort of liquid in, uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> for your lunchtime. Uh, it's, a, it's a white cooler where you can pour drinks out of it and that sort of thing. We not not a cooler. We won't that speculate you, on what type of liquid they're putting not, in. Not not a big huh? square cooler with a bunch of cans or anything like the one with a handle and uh, you know like a thermos kind of thing, only uh, plastic and. Uh, and a really nice uh, horse racing drawing on one side, the Gulfstream logo on the back. Uh, they're giving those away with a purchase of a seat this weekend. So that's uh, one of the major promotions for this. 
Um, also, the uh, racing schedule coming out, uh, I guess, today for this weekend. So uh, you can go online at GulfstreamPark.com and get all the information on that. Uh, certainly look forward to that as well. But uh, uh, we go there for the poker because we like the poker room. We certainly have a good time there every time we go. Tournaments nightly, 7 p.m. They have a tournament every evening. And uh, you can get just about any game spread there at Gulfstream Park. Uh, nice dealers, a good fair room, which is really all you can ask for in a poker room. And a great atmosphere to play poker. Yeah. Exactly. They have all the television sets around. Of course, uh, you can get food at the table, and uh, they have the massage girls, and uh, really a, just a great, solid room in just about every aspect. And uh, uh, we like to send you over there because we know you'll have a good time, and we know you'll be treated fairly. Yep. Uh, the poker room with the 20 tables located in the back of the first floor casino. When you walk in off the breezeway, just kind of head around uh, by where the uh, concession stands are, head into the back and head to the desk there and tell them what you want to play. Uh, if you want to get information ahead of time about their promotions, their rewards program, or uh, what's being spread, when the tournaments are played, and how much they cost, all that information can be obtained by calling 954-457-6336. That's the Gulfstream Park Poker Room, 954-457-6336. It's located in Hallandale Beach, 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale. Tell them that Big Dave and Joe sent you on over. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. I want to make something of myself. I want to succeed. The National Guard recruiter helped me get where I wanted to go. The Guard is providing me with paid training. In the National Guard, I get money for college plus a steady paycheck. In the Guard, I train near my home. I'm there for my family, my community, and my country. And I'm proud to be a member of the National Guard. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask how you can get the education and jobs skills you need in the National Guard.
Well, you never know who you're going to run into when you head to uh, some of these local poker tournaments. Uh, Neil Blumenfield was uh, someone I didn't really expect to be there, but I guess I can from now on. Uh, <laughs> talked about how much he enjoys uh, playing poker here in South Florida and, of course, uh, winning $3.4 million back in November. And uh, giving us a great time on yeah. that final table, especially on a table that was dominated by Joe McKeon. So. Yeah, I think we all kind of knew that Joe McKeon was probably going to win the tournament. But uh, uh, if there was going to be somebody else, uh, I think a lot of us were pulling for uh, Neil Blumenfield. It, yeah, it seemed like people were just trying to move up the ladder and just waiting for monster hands to go in while Joe was taking advantage of this. And Neil seemed to be the only one, in my opinion, that was playing back at people and not being afraid to take his two cards when he thought they were good enough and, and pressing the issue. Right, exactly. Well, I got a chance to talk to him uh, a couple of days ago uh, when I was over at the Seminole Hard Rock. It was the opening tournament of the uh, Lucky Hearts Open Series, and uh, he was actually playing in event number two. He had been knocked out of uh, event one uh, earlier in the day and jumped over to the other event. I uh, didn't get a final uh, finish for him. I'm not really sure what happened there, but he looked like he had a pretty good chip stack and was playing well. I got a chance to catch him on the break. Here's what he had to say. I'm with Neil Blumenfield, third place finisher in this year's World Series of Poker. Uh, it's been two months. Uh, you have a chance to absorb it all now. Uh, tremendous experience for you. Yeah, it was uh, it was so so much fun. Um, I enjoyed it tremendously. I haven't cashed since, but uh, I still have a little bit left from uh, from November, so we're okay. I would guess. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever really seen a player go to the no November nine like that and come out of it with so many new fans. I mean, you came off great, and uh, and everybody was crazy about you. Uh, how has it changed your life now over the last two months? So it's interesting because uh, I played here at the Hard Rock between July and November and I thought people would recognize me and I was totally totally anonymous I came back and played after November uh, and had I don't know 300 people come up to me to shake my hand and get a photo taken uh, a lot of people over 50 who said oh you know we were really rooting for you so that, that was nice well, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, you know, we had bring all these. Up my age, everybody. Else. <laughs> of course, they've uh, had all these guys in their twenties, early twenties, playing for so many years uh, in, in a final final table. This year, we had yourself and Pierre. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, you know, this is not an old man's game anymore. I mean, sometimes you got to sit there for twelve, thirteen hours and play all day long. Uh, but you seem to have handled that well. That wasn't a problem for you. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's certainly, the main event is tough, because it's, it's seven of those 13-hour days uh, before the final table, and, you know, anybody that plays the game knows that accumulating chips is a long, slow process, and you can lose them all in a heartbeat, and I did have one mental lapse, uh, end of day five, and interestingly enough, Pierre in interviews said he had the, a problem the same day, end of day five, when I made... You know, two two big mistakes, which brought me from a decent size stack of three and a half million to five hundred thousand going into day six, which was I think sixty eight out of sixty nine. So um, it, it's harder. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's harder to concentrate that long as you get older. 
but you know, I don't think it's only that. The game has changed, and the game is much more mathematical. Uh, the, the kids that play the game real well, they've played a million hands online, and they have a lot of data, and they work really hard at the game. And I think that's what people miss, is that you know, these kids that are 24-25, like Joe McKeon, you know, he works a ton on his game. And so it, 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 makes, it makes his decisions at key times much easier to make. And at the final table, he made almost all the right decisions. Yeah. Plus, he got hit with the deck pretty good, too. He, you know, he ran, he ran well, but he played spectacular in poker. So he, he was absolutely deserving. Well, people know that anything can happen. Obviously, went into that final day with such a such a huge chip lead. Was there any point where you just said, well, you know, I'm really playing for second now? Uh, no. Actually, I, I never felt that way. Um, if I felt that way, I probably would have played the Queen 8 a little bit differently. So uh, it was interesting because I, I read an interview with Joe, and we were both doing the same analysis of the previous day. I mean, the previous day he was limping weak hands and raising big hands, blind versus blind versus me. So I thought that was an opportunity to play against him when he limped, and he was thinking exactly the same thing, that he knew I would pick up on that, so he was going to limp a pretty big hand, which is King 10, which is three-hand, was real big. So, yeah, but if I was playing for second place, I would just lay that hand down, you know, just check behind and then lay it down when I whipped. Um, but, no, I was, I was playing to win the whole time. Any regrets at all from those uh, at the final table at all? I mean, there was one point where you were about even with Josh, and I think he four-bet you, and, and you laid it down. Uh, you know, it was, you lost a pretty good chunk there. Uh, should you have stayed in and, and, and matched up with him there? So... Um, you know, overall, no disappointment. Obviously, coming third in that tournament is hard to be disappointing. But I didn't play well the third day. Uh, that was one of the hands. And it wasn't a matter of, you know, calling his four-bet. The, the right play was three-bet shoving, which precludes him from four-bet shoving. Uh, so that would have been the better play. Calling there with a seven, you know, knowing what his cards were, yeah, it would have been great. But it, it's, it's a hand you can't really call with. Uh, as I mentioned, you came off so great. I mean, a classy dresser, uh, just a just a great guy and a fun guy to play with. And so many people uh, just fell in love with you in, the, in that tournament. Um, you know, how's this going to change your your future at the at the table? Will you travel more, play bigger tournaments. Uh, you know, that's the biggest the biggest tournament by far that you ever had in your life. So uh, travel more, yes. Uh, and it's more than big tournaments. It's picking and choosing where and when I want to play. So I played in Prague, uh, played in Europe for the first time, really. I played a little tournament in France, but it's the first time I really played in, uh, in Europe. It, was, it went horribly, but it was fun being there. Um, so that, that's really the change, is that I, I can choose when and where I want to play. And now I'm living in Florida, and the poker down here is awesome. So uh, I'll be playing a lot more here, obviously. Yeah, what do you think about Florida poker in general? I mean, I know you were in San Francisco for many years, and they have the great Bay 101 tournament out there every year. Of course, uh, South Florida now is really on the map but with the hard rock here. What have you uh, felt about that? I mean, obviously you play more than just tournaments, I would think. So what do you think about Florida poker in general? So I, I've only played tournaments here, so I, I can't tell you about cash games here. Um, but, yeah, you're right. There's one big tournament a year in the Bay Area, Shooting Stars. And there's like 12 tournaments that size in South Florida. So, so that's the impetus to move. There's, there's three places to play poker in the country. Las Vegas, obviously, L.A., 
in South Florida. And uh, of those three places, this is the place I chose to live. Well, best of luck. Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll ever get back to the November 9 again. Uh, it's very tough to make a return, but uh, people are going to be hoping that you do. It, it would be a great story that I'd like to experience. Thanks so much. All right. Neil Blumenfield, uh, our conversation earlier this week at the Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, how about getting back to a November 9? I mean, obviously we know Mark Newhouse did that two years in a row, went, went to the November 9, which is just incredible. We may never we see talk about that. It, we how, never how see that again that with 6,000-plus people in the field almost every single year. Right. That was just an incredible feat, you know. Uh, we've seen some people get back to the final table after a couple of years, which is also an incredible feat. You know, anytime you get back to a final table, you know, especially over the last 12, 13 years, that's pretty amazing. And also uh, your life changes. I mean, there are players that have continued to play on a regular basis. Uh, we know that Greg Raymer came back the next year and finished 25th, 25th which, which was incredible. tremendous as well. And then he kind of was off the map for a while. Now he's been playing very well the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see him again. But you think about a couple of the champions, uh, uh, you know, so, P.S. Hines, uh, Peter Eastgate, uh, uh, Jerry Yang, Jamie Gold, listen, Joe Hashem. It, it These are all players we have not seen the, anywhere near the The main game. event is a special event, obviously. You have to run so well. And Neil made a great point here in this interview that you did with him where you asked him, you know, about the age and, and the hours that you have to put in and how he's kind of really made a couple of big mistakes on day five. So that's after you've already put in 40-plus hours, probably 24 of them in back-to-back, if not 36 of them, okay? And that Pierre, the other gentleman who was in his early 70s, okay, both of them kind of hit that lag, you know, right in the middle of the tournament, you know, that day five where it falls right in between the 40-plus to 50 hours up to the 90 that you need to make it to the main event, you know, but you have to run good. I mean, we've seen this forever. Right. You have to play good. You know, you can play you know, flawless poker, and unfortunately somebody hits a one or two outer on you. You have to keep your composure through that. I didn't know that Neil had fallen down from $3.5 million to 500000 and was 68 out of 69 players, as he mentioned in the interview. And, you know, to come back from that... Uh, Merson, I believe, was the other guy that I remember with about 100 people was down to 100,000, which at that point in the tournament was nothing, and came back to win the tournament. You know, there's so many things that you have to go through. I remember Jamie Gold just, just having an incredible run. But to Neil's credit, did you see how he... You know, complimented Joe McKeon. Yes. We both know this. We we know Joe McKeon ran super, super well in that final table. It was just, you know, whenever he made any kind of move, whatever two cards he was holding, he wound up, you know, and he was able to <clears throat> change gears, you know, when he caught that, when he realized that his, his opponents were, you know, that the other players were catching on to his style of play. So... But Neil, who played with him for a lot longer than we saw him playing out there, gave him all the credit. And it's true. Today's young people are putting in so much more hours because of the you know online, the Internet, than, than Neil and I did when I was playing poker in my 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. You just didn't have that time frame to play that. You didn't have a venue to play all these hours, the, multi, the multiplayer games. 
which obviously gives a tremendous advantage to these players because their their thought process is so different than what anything that I've ever been used to that I'm sure what Neil's been used to. You know, people in our age group, Dave, it's just very difficult. It's hard for me to imagine that because we didn't grow up in that era. We didn't grow up in the in the computer era like all these young twenty something year old players have. And you know what? I didn't think about it, but Neil gave Joe the credit of he's put in the time, he's put in the work. And you know what? If you put in the time and you put in the work, you deserve to be rewarded. Joe was. I'm just so grateful that Neil and Pierre both had a great run to get to that final table. So impressed with Neil's run to get to the final three. And uh, you asked him if he was afraid, if he thought he was playing for second place. I loved his answer. He goes, if that was the case, I'd have played my queen eight a lot differently. That was, that's tremendous, you know, tremendous comment on his part. Uh, made me smile. And him telling you that he's been to Prague and to Europe to play poker, not having great success. Well, you know, welcome to the world of tournament. Yeah, poker. absolutely. Well, welcome to South Florida, Neil, uh, living here now. And uh, certainly look forward to talking with you again uh, before too long. Back to the PCA, just uh, noticed that uh, they got back from dinner. And just a couple of hands in, uh, Matt Waxman. Uh, well, eliminated, yeah. He was the short stack, as we mentioned. Uh, shoved all in with uh, ace-7 offsuit. Uh, unfortunately, ran into Mike Watson, who had ace-queen. And then, to make things worse, the flop was queen-queen-10. Yeah, he's done at that point. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, uh, there was an ace on the turn. <laughs> so that puts everything away. Uh, so Waxman uh, eliminated. He wins $51,260 for finishing in 10th place. So they're down to the final nine, which I guess is the official final table now. And with that uh, hand, Mike Watson has taken the chip lead now, $6.5 million. Vladimir Tryanovsky is second with 5.4. And then all the way back to third place, Randy Kritzer, 2.1. So uh, that middle group down there is uh, pretty close together. And uh, actually third place uh, is Philip McAllister with 3.4. I missed him. But uh, certainly uh, there's about five players right between uh, 2 million and 2.5 million. So uh, a lot can happen still. Anything can happen. Listen, we've seen that many times. Yeah, and... uh, I don't think it will be concluded by the time we get off the show in a few minutes, but uh, uh, we'll be reporting next week on who wins that main event. Uh, Aussie Millions underway, as we mentioned, the first event uh, there, and we'll keep an eye on that schedule. Uh, As it turns out, uh, their main event uh, is... uh, 40, let's see, I'm sorry, the $10,000 buy-in, uh, $10,600. That will be from January 24th through the 31st. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on all that stuff. They actually have an event uh, called the uh, Shot Clock Turbo hmm. with a $1,150 buy-in. That's on January 31st. Big $5,000 PLO follows. Actually, a couple of Shot Clock tournaments here. So... Uh, We'll certainly want to see how that turns out. Uh, there is a horse tournament uh, taking place uh, in just a few hours. Uh, the 14th, of course, for them, uh, starting very soon. I'm telling you, ever since Full Tilt closed down and I was playing on them, I, I miss playing horse tournaments on there and playing Raz that I used to love to play where I play now. I can't get any Raz games. Yeah. Yeah, can't get them. Can't get them. Uh, okay, let's take one more break. When we come back, I want to finish up with a highly discussion. 
Uh, I think we'll save the Global Poker League until next week. That'll be fun to talk about, but I don't want to give that short shrift. But I do want to tell you about Gulfstream Park because uh, you can never give them short shrift with uh, championship <laughs> racing that goes on now through to April. Uh, I mentioned the Sunshine Millions, but there's lots of great racing coming up uh, in February and March. Uh, things wind up on uh, April 2nd with the Florida Derby. Big day of full of stakes races there. The Orchid, the Skipaway, the Sir Shackleton. Uh, some of the great races, the Honey Fox. Uh, just a great uh, group of, of uh, stakes races all on April the 2nd. So that's a day to point to. But between now and then, lots of good stuff as well. Uh, including the Holy Bull, which is on the 30th of January. February brings the Don Handicap, and then later the Fountain of Youth. And, of course, uh, March is uh, several more stakes races as things get closer to the Florida Derby. Uh, as things have turned out the last few years, the horse that wins the Florida Derby is uh, simply uh, going to be one of the favorites in the Kentucky Derby later on in May. So. Uh, great racing there, all the best trainers, jockeys, and horses. You can check out the track early. A uh, fun thing to go to is uh, early in uh, the mornings on Saturday, Breakfast at Gulfstream, it's called. That goes on every Saturday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the stretch uh, barbecue and tiki area. Uh, great stuff for the kids, including uh, weekly character appearances and, of course, uh, giveaways and prizes. They have guest speakers there. And uh, if you're a horse racing fan, you get a chance to talk to some of the jockeys and some of the people that train the horses as well. Uh, the walkers are all there uh, working out the horses early in the day, and it's a great day. They have a breakfast buffet, $10 per person. Children under three eat free. But uh, I've gone there before, and it's certainly a lot of fun. And uh, I, I encourage uh, you to take the family there, check it out. Uh, Mr. Mouse is the uh, character appearance, appearance this weekend. Uh, and then one of the minions is going to be there on the 23rd. <laughs> so all the great stuff for the kids as well. Excellent. A great family location, Gulfstream Park, uh, with the dining and the shops. Uh, certainly stuff to do there for the entire family you know, while you play poker. Or maybe yeah, your, you your wife plays poker. And you There's do a take lot the kids to enjoy over there, uh, over there in Gulfstream. Uh, of course, the, new, uh, the newest restaurants, Frankie's Bar and uh, the Adina uh, Wine Bar and Grill. Of course, all the great standbys that have been there for a long time, including Cantino Laredo and uh, Three Forks. Just really any type of food you can get. They've got a great pizza place there and uh, lots of stuff. They had uh, a ton of entertainment around the Christmas season, and they'll have some great stuff there as we move into the new year. Gulfstream Park, it's located in Hallandale, Hallandale Beach, uh, corner of Hallandale Beach Boulevard and US-1. Still... Uh, Plenty of racing season ahead of us there. And, of course, uh, great poker action on a daily basis. Give the Poker Room a call if you're interested in finding out what's going on there now. They've got a great rewards program going to uh, take care of their loyal players. And you can give them a call at 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Once again, located 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. 
It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack, and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It ain't just wide open. It's W-F-O. Hey, this is Jeff uh, Rice, uh, Stephen Hawk from up by Savannah, Georgia. I just wanted to let you guys know that WFO rules. Joe, this is Jay Bird, truck driver from Big Bear, California. W-F-O rocks. Oh, don't forget, W-F-O rules the airwaves. W-F-O! Do you like poker? Poker Action Line. Do you like poker? Poker Action Line. Poker Action Action Poker Action Poker Action Poker Action Line. Poker Action Line. PokerActionLine.com. Welcome back to the show. Final segment. Big Dave and Joe and uh I did want to get a chance to talk about uh, Hylia Park a little bit. Uh, they had, of course, their big tournament back in the end of August. It was their two-year anniversary, and uh, the one they had just opened the uh, extra room of 11 tables, which gave them a total of 33, and now they can have some big tournaments there. Um, they had some smaller 75,000 guarantee, maybe 100,000 guarantee, but for the first time they had a 200,000 guarantee tournament, which brought in some more experienced players, and I, I, I think that kind of proved to be their downfall because they tried to take advantage of it, apparently, and the state came out with a ruling this week about what happened. Uh, there were 11 confirmed violations in this report that the Florida Division of Paramutual Wagering released on December 29th. Uh, it says most, in Nick's article, he talked about most of them having to do with poor accounting, and I want to talk about some well, of these. all 11 these of them, 11 Dave, of them. are... Uh, internal control violations mm-hmm. that you write up yourself. And the state gives you grand leeway on this as to how you want to write up your internal controls. But once you've set them in stone and, and sent them to the state, you know, they hold your feet to the fire on those. Right. Uh, there was uh, obviously some wrongdoing here, and I want to go over a couple of things. But some of the accusations uh, said that uh, some of the floor managers slipped in some extra players without paying. Uh, they didn't go through the usual cashier window registration and uh, also put some of these players at places at the table, which were very advantageous, uh, which I guess is maybe one of the worst things. One of the things that you kind of allow when you're having a smaller tournament, 
more of the locals all playing, knowing each other, and and having that done. I'm I'm not going to you know stand on on a podium here and and preach uh, <laughs> holiness here as to how I ran my room. Some of those things were done in my room. I obviously realize now how wrong that is, but it was done more because they were smaller tournaments. Everyone, everybody, just about every single person in that tournament knew each other. You know, there was never an issue with that. But when you do up the stakes to $200,000 and you're bringing people in, you know, that becomes a major issue. And, uh, you know, obviously they've paid the price for that. Uh, the prize pool after uh, the Hylia getting their take was 215000 uh, they collected 265,000 and said there were 1,061 entries. So the numbers didn't add up, especially what was up on the on the uh, tournament board. And some of the players noticed and, and complained and realized that maybe some of the players that were back in the event didn't pay. Yeah, and listen, I going over these rules and reading some article, you know, some of the comments on the two plus two forum. You know, uh, you know, the uh, shift manager Danny Sierra who used to work for me, tried to get on and explain some of these things, and some of that explanation just made absolutely, just didn't make sense. Made absolutely no sense, and people were quick to point this out. I, I, I think this may have compounded the situation even more. Yeah. Uh, they have until January 18th to appeal, and uh, my guess is that they will do so, at least to stretch well, things out. Well, guess what? You know, you appeal this, and... You know, you may just be avoiding the inevitable, Dave, you know, and uh, I don't know if there's any back room. uh, I mean, I don't know. In this article, there is no talk as to to what the actual sanctions are going to be. We know it can range right from fines to uh, to suspensions. Right. Now, what kind of suspensions? Individual suspensions or suspension of the whole poker. They could lose their poker license. They actually could would be the top thing. But uh, my guess is that it will there will be some sort of fines. Uh, I think they tried to mitigate the situation a little bit. Uh, you, you think about uh, a local thing down here, the University of Miami, when they were undergoing sanctions from the NCAA for uh, violations with uh, Nevin Shapiro and players getting uh, benefits uh, that they didn't have coming to them. Uh, and they uh, elected to forego a bowl game that they were eligible for uh, a couple of years ago uh, before the penalties came out in to try to help mitigate the, the final uh, sanctions. And it did help some. And then Hylia really kind of followed that same line of thinking by firing Nelson Costa, the uh, poker room manager, Danny, uh, Danny Sierra. Sierra, and a couple of the other uh, assistants were all fired uh, before Christmas. They were. I don't know if this was in lieu of the upcoming sanctions and the, the the report by the state, or if this was also due to the fact that, remember, another scandal kind of hit a week or two before this, where they had issues with supervisors and dealers and inappropriate, you know, uh, you know, actions in in the privacy of the poker room managers. I mean. This thing, starting with the tournament to what happened with the the dealers and the, and the, and the supervisors, you know, in in his office, just you know, yells out of you know, not having any control, you know, and it, and I hate to say that because I I I helped make Nelson a manager. I know how talented he is, um, you know, uh, 
doesn't like a lot of the people that were working for him. Uh, I had issues as to why I wouldn't hire them in my tenure over there at Miami High Life when I was there. But, you know, it lacks from, uh, Geo, what was that word again? Institutional 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 control. control, You know, and it starts with Nelson and then obviously Steve Calabro and, you know, Brunetti, you know, running this property, owning this property. You just can't really have this. I'm kind of surprised nothing took place earlier because they did an internal investigation and I don't, I'm trying to remember, they said they didn't really see too they many violations. They didn't see anything, so they said. Either, either someone, either someone was lying to themselves. I mean, when you have so many people on that forum, so many people who were in that room telling you what they saw and multiple accounts of the same thing, you understand you're either burying your head in the sand because you don't want to have any sanctions from the state, you want to kind of quell this fire, or... You you you've had someone fool you as to the validity of how they're running this room, okay. and you know this this is obviously going to be a big issue. I again, you and I are speculating on what we know what the sanctions can be. Obviously, the more serious one is the suspension of license. But you know, after they waited, they were the last last uh, last last people on the block to join the party. Right. You know, and and having that room be in the number one room in Dade County, Nelson did a great job of getting that room up to the numbers that they were doing, which is unheard of. Magic City in their best days weren't doing $8 million a year in revenue there, and they've done this with Magic City in their backyard. Well, you, when you think about the turn of the millennium when Hylia uh, uh, decided that they just couldn't make it with horse racing at the time, the competition was too heavy, and they decided to drop horse racing. Uh, one of the things, the problems for them was that they weren't going to be able to get slots after that. It, apparent, uh, it was apparent that uh, it was going to be a long uphill battle. And they even had to survive a, a Florida Supreme Court decision to allow them to be uh, uh, moving to the casino area. So the casino is obviously the big money maker there. And, and John Brunetti has uh, worked very hard over the years to try to to get that in place and bring back Hylia to some of its former majesty. Uh, it's done a pretty good job over he, there. He's and had to jump through hoops, Dave, because he tried to put condos on that property and close, that, they close the park down, and they, I think they, they uh, uh, designated that as a landmark. Right, a historic and he, landmark. Couldn't, couldn't do that. So, you know, for somebody like myself and you that we've been involved with, with you know, Miami High Life for many years, you know, he he took an easy route out for a while, and then fought very hard and very successful to get the casino, to get a beautiful poker room up there, and and you know, did a wonderful job in getting that place. And, and you can imagine, after all that work, how he would be absolutely furious that that uh, someone could skirt the rules and maybe put the uh, operation in jeopardy. Yeah, and guess what? Yeah, he's got to be furious with the poker management, you know, but. Maybe even more furious with some of his own people that should have been overseeing this scenario. Well, let's look at some of the counts, the 11 uh, violations, and maybe you can explain to people, uh, you know, what they did, what they're supposed to do, what they didn't do. Uh, They did not complete a three-part tournament entry receipt, which uh, the cage cashier is supposed to sign the form and give the original to the patron. And then the duplicates are uh, moved on to the tournament representatives. The triplicate is maintained as uh, to reconcile the accounts. They did not do that. That's a simple accounting. 
I have X amount of tournament buy-ins. This should be the dollars that are involved in here, and this is what we're showing in revenue. They didn't do that, which to me leads me to believe somebody was either pocketing that money, you know, because the price pool never, ever came close to squaring up to the correct number. I'm sure there was a lot of backtracking once all of this stuff, you know, as they say, the proverbial stuff hit the fan, but... Um, to me, that's a pretty serious violation right there. Also, there's a tournament log sheet where they're supposed to uh, enter all entry fees, fees received, and they did not do that. Well, they're not going to enter the fees that are received for the house, which is what the state taxes when they're not putting in the proper amount of numbers for their people. Uh, again, just whether it's an oversight, whether it was intentionally done because of other, you know, other stuff that's going on that you know, this is really bad. I don't even want to get to that point right now. But those tournament logs, it kind of goes hand in hand with those receipts. Okay. The next one is tournament seat. involves tournament seat selection. Uh, approximately 15 minutes before the tournament begins, you're supposed to uh, uh, compare the information on that uh, entry receipt and, and players draw cards for the, the, the spots the of the table. The seat assignment, the table assignment, table and seat assignment, should have been done. They had the Bravo system there. Bravo system is, is equipped with assigning a table and a seat number to every tournament, every poker tournament player. But I, I, think, uh, I think maybe the violations involve more tournament re-entries when people bought in again where they were placed at a, a table. It should have been done through the Bravo system. Right. They, they're, they're, it's more than capable of doing that. Uh, count four uh, involves surveillance of... Uh, the cage and the uh, the cash handling areas, and uh, they did not have the surveillance cameras covering the right places. That's a huge issue, Dave. That's going to be a very huge issue. And believe it or not, that actually has nothing to, to do, do with, Nelson, with, with with the poker room right. management and the poker tournament people. That has to do with their internal security and their surveillance uh, team, uh, either not being properly trained. Uh, they got licensed, so apparently cameras had to be in certain areas. The only blame that I think could fall on the poker room management team is if they knew there was an area that was not covered by the cameras, they should not have done any business in that area. Right. And the only reason to do business in that area is... If you're up to no good. Exactly. Okay, count five uh, involves uh, uh, surveillance also. Um very similar to the one previous, so let's move on to count six, uh, which is uh, procedures for paying out jackpots and other payouts. Uh, poker supervisor is supposed to uh, verify the surveillance that the win is valid, and uh, prior to the poker cashier paying off that win, and they did not follow that. Well, these are all the violations that are within the poker, you know, uh, confine of, of how you run your room because the job, poker jackpot, I would imagine in the entry fee it allowed tournament players to be eligible for certain jackpots. I don't know this to be 100% correct, you know, but if this is the case, if it's a jackpot violation that they didn't do this, it may not have anything as far as to do with the, this particular tournament and, and the violations that were created, that were, you know, done in this particular tournament. 
Uh, 13 poker jackpot slips were not recorded in the ledger. That's count seven, uh, so it's similar to count six. I want to go back to count five because that is a little bit different having to do with surveillance, and that is they are supposed to keep video stored for a period of at least 14 days. So that's a regulation that they didn't follow, and uh, well, you know, to get rid of video here's, is a big here's problem. Here's the interesting part, Dave, and this is just based on my experience with what we had for video surveillance at, at Casino Miami, was this thing was kept on, I, and again, I'm not a very technical person, maybe Gio can help me out here, but the surveillance video in the old days was kept on tapes, and the tapes had to be kept for 14 days. Well, obviously, we're well past that, that, that point, okay? And we had over six months, you could go back six months, so I can't believe... Hialeah coming in, you know, to the party last had any kind of surveillance that, you know, predated the stuff that we were using from just two years earlier. It just doesn't make any sense that they'd be using technology that is, you know, 10 years, 15 years old. So I don't understand. The only reason you're not keeping something 14 days is because you either have complete incompetence in your in your surveillance team or someone deliberately destroyed the, the, the tapes. Okay. Uh, one of the rules in count eight, card rooms shall ensure that all revenue from the jackpot drop is held as cash on hand in the cashier's cage or vault. What Hylia did was keeping the cash in the poker room manager's office. Uh, the card room manager's office, obviously another, uh, a separate location. And uh, so that's... Uh, uh, I don't even... I can't even fathom how that happened because... Again, you know, our money was held in the cage. Some of that money, once it reached a certain amount, was actually kept in the bank, so we'd issue checks for large jackpots that were hit as far as when we were running bad beats. I can't even imagine that they were actually holding the jackpot money in, in Nelson's office. What I understood from some of these forums and from people that I know that, were, that know this, this, the situation a lot better than you and I do is that tournament dollars were held in Nelson's office, I don't understand how that correlated to the jackpot. So yeah. there, I would ask for definitely, if I was Hialeah, that's one of the one of the counts that I would definitely uh, question, well, because that doesn't make any sense as to money that's being counted in the count room then being re released to Nelson or any of his staff so that he could keep it in the poker room. It, it just it doesn't make any sense. Right. Uh, count nine uh, is very similar to that. I'll, I'll move on to count ten, and that is uh, a card room uh, is supposed to keep and maintain permanent daily records of its operation for a period of not less than three years. Yeah, we had to keep receipts and everything else, but that had you really that was done by the accounting department. Uh, the um, you know, like I said, the accountants upstairs and in, 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 you know that are crunching numbers, and then the cashier kept their numbers, and everything was kind of forwarded to the accounting department. So if they're not keeping that, that really has nothing to do with the operations of the room, right. unless the room itself is not following procedures and giving the accounting department the proper numbers on a daily basis. 
which then kind of is a double-edged sword, Dave, because then the accounting people are not receiving what they know they have to receive, and they should be. Listen, when I didn't provide a paperwork because of an oversight or a mistake, trust me, I would hear about it the, the moment I walked into my office. Either I had an email waiting for me, already had, or my phone was ringing off the hook. Hey, where are the numbers from this day? We don't have them. If I wasn't the person on on staff, you know, on duty at that time, I would check with my assistant manager or my shift manager at that time and find out why these numbers weren't weren't you know produced and why the paperwork wasn't given handed in in a proper manner. At which time, I would take care of that. Well, it seems to me that uh, a lot of these violations seem to fall into the category of, of jackpots uh, and not this exact tournament. So basically what I feel happened maybe is that the complaints kind of uh, put the spotlight on them. The on state the people whole, came in the whole and, and, and the whole operation, exactly. not, not just uh, the card room manager, but some of the accounting and, and some of the other things that, that really uh, were a problem now. Uh, as far as him getting fired, there were lots of rumors, and who knows what's true, but there was talk that surveillance picked up sexual activity in the player's manager's office. Uh, we can't confirm any of that, and uh, certainly we don't know if it's true or not, but uh, all I can say is that when the accusations started flying around, nobody that plays there on a regular basis or knows people that work there was surprised at all. No. And, you know, I had been hearing for months certain things were going on there. Again, I've worked with a lot of these people. You don't want to believe some of these things. But, you know, going over some of the 2 plus 2 writing that would took place back when, when these, you know, when these violations occurred, when the tournament was being run, I'll be honest with you, they're kind of lucky. Either they didn't see it, they didn't know to look for it with the state, but, you know, there were some very serious violations that would incur that local, <laughs> you know, that the uh, local authorities would be involved in if some of these allegations that were made by players seeing personnel, I don't want to say supervised personnel, putting rebuys into their pocket right. and not, seeing, not having anybody, you know, account for that later on. I mean, it, it just... It just does not look good if somebody's putting that money in their yeah, pocket. Yeah, and again, there's no proof and because there's no coverage of the uh, cash. Well, window. either there's no coverage or it wasn't made available and the state didn't ask for it. Right. Trust me, after being involved in this type of business for so many years, there's a lot of ways where you could try to skirt that issue and hope that, again, you know, my experience with the state, unfortunately, is that they don't have enough competent people to be able to look at this, at least at the time that I was involved in, in the casino industry down here, in the poker room industry, that may have changed. But in these 11 counts, there's a lot of complaints that were made by people that aren't even addressed here, even to say to the fact of we looked for this and we did not find an issue with this particular complaint. Right. So, well, I think uh, from people I've talked to, it's a little more difficult in tournaments to uh, figure out exactly uh, what's happening, but people did accuse them. There was at least 13 players who did not receive a receipt for uh, rebuys in the tournament, even people who weren't uh, getting put in for free but actually paid to, to rebuy didn't ask for a receipt, and they said, oh, you don't need that or you don't get that. 
Well, and I, we don't know if these people were interviewed, if they came forward and gave their names, if they themselves filed complaints, you know, with the with the commission. A lot of things came out of this, but there might even be more questions as to why certain issues were not addressed by the state. Right. The new uh, highly uh, uh, park poker room manager, uh, at least for for now, is Angel Garcia. Uh, he was the casino's director of compliance, which, uh, <laughs> who knows, maybe he wasn't doing his job. Yeah. It well, sounds like. There seems to be, uh, from these complaints, the cage wasn't doing their job properly. Accounting in the in the, in the company wasn't doing their job properly. He, this Angel Garcia, if he was, what was he, the director of compliance? Yes. He definitely couldn't have been doing his job if there's 11 complaints of compliance. All of the, all 11 counts are based on their internal controls. Right. So you yourself get to set your own internal controls. The, you know, people need to understand out there who are listening to the show, the internal controls, I don't know how it is in every other state, but the internal controls are set forth by your, by your company, by the casino. You know, you tell the state... This is what we're going to do to fall in compliance, you know, with the state regulations. And I've yet to hear the state say, oh, your internal controls aren't adequate enough. You know, you need to, to, you know, retweak them to do something to them, you know. And now they say, okay, so this is what, this is the procedure that you're going to follow, you know, when it involves all of this part of the poker room. And you tell them yes, they say, okay, we accept that. And now you don't even follow your own rules. Well, let's close things up by uh, talking about the fallout here. Now, I offered uh, uh, management. Nelson, right? Well, I talked to Nelson. I did speak with Nelson, and he Nelson said that there was a theft involved. He said it was nowhere near the size of what people uh, uh, were inferring. He also felt that he had done his job as bringing in business to the poker room and that some of the other things that went on in the office uh, – that we're out of his control. Out of his control. Uh, but again, you don't buy that because uh, the buck stops here as far as the poker room manager yeah, goes. Yeah, listen, Nelson the behavior too, Nelson's him. too smart of a man. He knows this. He knows he couldn't tell me that because, you know, your people can do certain things that you will not become aware of. But eventually, whether it's the next day, the next week, the next month, if a continual pattern, can, you know, happens... You will catch on. Nelson's way too smart to know that. Okay? And not to know that. Not to, excuse me, not to know that. Excuse me, right. Not to know that. Yeah, his, his initial job was to bring this, the, the, the revenue, the clientele. He did a tremendous job on that. No one's questioning that. But unfortunately, some of the people that he hired, you know, have background issues that I've known. They may not be common knowledge, may not Obviously, it didn't prevent them from getting licensed, okay? But uh, I, I'm not a saint. <laughs> I don't I don't profess to be a saint. But you know, and this is not a, a, an industry where you know everybody is is you know squeaky clean. But you know, when you hire certain people to back you up, to watch your back, to help you run a poker room. And they don't have the best reputations, and you know some of these some of these people didn't have the best reputations. Uh, some that I knew from firsthand knowledge, other that I that I found out from people that I trusted very much. 
to tell me these things. And, you know, it, it eventually came back to bite Nelson, unfortunately, in the ass. I asked for a comment from uh, General Manager Steve Calibro and also if they wanted, uh, if John Brunetti Sr. would comment, and, and they flat refused. If I had known you were going to ask them, I would have told you before they said no that there is no way they're yeah, well, I understand There is that. no you way know. they're ever going to come on, on record to say that because... They probably, to this point, still don't know every single yeah. thing. Well, Things no are opening up for them now, and obviously there's going to be people coming forward that didn't come forward before because they're going to feel a little bit of pressure from outside of poker management, the casino management group, and they want to get a clear picture because you need to have a clear picture because you really don't know what the state's holding you know, in, in, in the bag for you. I also want to mention that uh, Nelson felt that... Uh, you know, a lot of the things that happened were not uh, based on him directly. And as we look at the counts, we could see that he felt that uh, being terminated was a little harsh. You don't buy that, though. Unfortunately, no. If he had been terminated right after the scandal broke, you know, August, early September, that would have been harsh because you couldn't have done a proper investigation. Then when you have upper management saying that they didn't see anything, well, then... Guess what? You've made a public comment stating that nothing major occurred here. Now, lack of control of the poker room with their latest you know, scandal that broke a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, that occurred with the, the, you know, people acting improperly in his office. Uh, and again, things that we're not privy to. Okay. You know, I knew things that were going on in my room, some of which I had to take full blame for, which I did with, with my bosses. Stuff that I that I didn't see that people were keeping from me, you know. But eventually, it does get to you because eventually, I found out about it. Uh, unfortunately, in the casino business and with so many cameras, Dave, there isn't a whole lot that you can hide that you don't get from somebody. Okay, we're running a little long here, so we need to cut this short. But uh, bottom line, what is the fallout for the room? Nelson had a lot of friends. Apparently, Angel Garcia, who's now in charge, is not a poker person, according to most accounts and uh, does not know the uh, the people who play poker and are uh, brought into the room uh, to play on a regular basis uh, by Nelson's popularity. So he's going to be gone now. What happens to the room? if Outside of, I mean, we'll find out what the state rules. But what's going to happen to their business here? Well, uh, I, I can't fathom that their numbers aren't going to go down. Nelson did have a big impact. He did bring a lot of gamblers there. It all depends also on the new person that they decide to hire and how they're going to go about this. My guess is they're going to probably have to take two or three steps back before they start taking one step forward. Does it preclude them from having big tournaments anymore uh, that's oh, going, that this, are going to bring this, in big-name tournaments? They'll probably try to stay away from if that. If this had been done correctly, I think that Hialeah had a chance on obviously a much smaller scale but competing with the Hard Rock and, and the West Palm Beach Kennel Club may be having bring in a Heartland Tour, something else that they could have eventually grown to if they has, this had been run properly. I can't see them getting involved in tournaments unless the new guy that they hire is someone who's, who's an expert a, in tournaments. A big, name, a, in a the big name in the industry, whether here in South Florida from somewhere, you know, in Vegas, New Jersey, Louisiana, Mississippi, you know, so many different places that could come in. But 
you also have to, you know, know the dynamics of this area, Dave. This is, as I've said for many years, this is a completely different animal. As poker in South Florida is so different than anywhere else in the United States. Yeah, just uh, to tell you what's at stake here, uh, they had done a great job of building the business there from uh, July 1st. 2014 to January to excuse me June 30th of uh, 2015, the revenues were 8.3 million dollars for the poker room, and uh, just to tell you where that stands, uh, Magic City was at 6.9 million, and Casino Miami Highlight 2.3 million. Magic City has done a wonderful job of maintaining their numbers up there. When once we had come in, and now with Hialeah doing this number, they've maintained their close to their numbers. You're talking 570, 580. Their high point was 670 and, and, and their peak. My guess is they're going to be the beneficiaries of, of this scandal at Hialeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on it. We're running along uh, here on the show, so we need to uh, go ahead and wind things up tonight. Uh, but certainly we'll be keeping an eye on what happens. They have until June, uh, January 18th to appeal. Uh, if they don't appeal, the decision will come out shortly thereafter. Otherwise, it probably will uh, drag on for another month or so after that, and then we'll get some sort of decision. Can't wait for those sanctions to come down and see how serious they are. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, it's the first uh, poker room irregularities in South Florida since 1996. Yep. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's show. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, just... Uh, a lot of things to talk about here in every aspect of the poker world. We'll continue to do so here on Poker Action Line. Uh, Gio, thanks for all your work, uh, technically-wise, and getting us on the air. Joe, thank you for all your contributions here on the program. We invite everyone to come back next week. We're lining up some guests for you here in the early part of 2016, and we'll have more taped interviews. We'll have people in the studio, and we'll have lots of fun here over the next few months. We hope you'll join us every week here on Poker Action Line. Good night, everyone. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.